Welcome back to the Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and welcome to part two of Benjamin Herndon, my good friend, wonderful man. Here he is sitting right here. Thanks for coming back, Benjamin. Thank oh, yeah, you. Yeah. We got more claps than we know what to do. With. We got lots to talk about still, even though we had an action-packed one last week. Here we are back for another one. You were in a relatively successful band called the Ox Pedals. This is going back in Benjamin Herndon's oh, past. Oh, so back. I'm so old. Oh, ooh, it's, that, that's what, how you go back. What year was the Ox Pedals, Benjamin? The Ox Pedals kind of between the year 1965 and like early 70s. It kind of like went out the do- side door backward. And what kind of success did you have? You were on Mercury Records, I believe, right? Yeah, we had, yeah, kind of success in, in this, well... Early on, in the early days of the Ox Pedals, we had a record deal with a company called Musicor, which was the only famous guy I knew on Musicor at the time was this guy named Gene Pitney, who did like a town without pity can do. And uh, Great single. But anyway, he was a pop, and it was just like this record company out of New Jersey like with the like guys that like would muscle you up if you didn't do the right thing Back called Musicor right? Musicor had a lot of different people on it but somehow or another this guy we knew in North Carolina got to like some of my original music and gave my group studio time in this studio in Greensboro, North Carolina where we did these records and got a deal with Musicor and did like one single A-side and a B-side, some stupid ass songs. One of them, the A-side check is this out, was called Prune Growing in June. <laughs> because I had this weird friend that one day walked into my room and said Prune Growing in June, will you marry me? I said, what? This guy would say the most... So... We wrote a song called Prune Growing in June, and it was like stupid, stupid. Right. And we did a version of that, and then a friend of ours named Danny Flowers, who became a pretty well-known songwriter, but at the time had written a song called Walking Down the Sunny Side, which was kind of like a monkey's, like, walking down the sunny side of town with you. Sounds terrible. It, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, awful, so awful. we had those on Musicor. To no avail, blah, blah, blah. And and that kind of hung out for a while, and then we kind of, like, got our way out of that contract, and years later... So, I mean, what happened? You guys went on a tour? You did a no, tour? No, we did not you, go on no a tour. tour. No tour. But you made an album, though. Uh, that was later. That was when we went to New York and got a deal with Mercury Records. Music Hall, we did nothing but have a freaking single out that was played for six seconds on national radio or something, you know? Like, mm-hmm. That was about it. It was like, I don't even uh, imagine that it was worth getting the six seconds. Well, by the time you guys got to Mercury, did did they push you guys? Did they try to market you guys? I mean, how far down okay. the food chain were you? I'll back, back up. In the music business, there's these different guys that are like A&R guys and this and that's with record companies. They come and go like freaking like in and out. We had a guy, I think his name was Charlie Fash, I believe, Mercury Records. He was our man in the inside. And while we had our record deal, he was like helping us out doing that. Then all of a sudden he gets fired. And they go, Ox who? Ox pedals? I mean, if a lot of times if your liaison in a record company gets the boot, sometimes you can get shuffled with them. So we kind of lost our footing. And our first album was kind of lame anyway. And uh, it wasn't really like 
promoted properly and blah 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 but our mercury deal kind of like went limp even though we owed them more albums than we delivered but somehow or another we were able to weasel out of it without having to like deliver any any product and all that kind of stuff and we went our separate ways and everybody did their thing and here i am did it get much airplay at the time when it first came out in the early 70s it got pretty decent airplay for a very short period of time you know all over the country but there was no really recognizable like hit singles and stuff in there so and like i say our main guy that was in the record company that was kind of helping us got the boot and then we had no like a lot of bad luck in, in this business. Well, a lot of times it's schmoozing. If you don't have the right people yeah. in your camp, no matter how cool and whatever you are, it's all about like uh, schmoozing and, and all that stuff. Whoever has the best agent That's wins. That's the part that turned me off so much about the music business is seeing that stuff like going on. It's like, do I really want to? I love to play and write songs and be happy and enjoy the music, but a lot of the stuff I had to witness it was like, I don't know if I really want to get that involved in it. Well, you know, an integral guy like you not going to last in that environment. You do have a lot of integrity to your music, and you are who you are, and this is what you do, and you make no apologies for it, nor should you. So, that's but anyway, that one of the was way like. long ago when I was way younger and way stupider and all kinds yeah. of stuff. It was like you know the victim of my own. I heard that you went on tour with Traffic. Is that true? Didn't go on tour with Traffic. Just okay. opened for them one. Open for them. What Never. was that like? That well, it was in cool. it was in a winter time somewhere in 1969 70-ish and we traffic was playing a concert at Oneana State Teachers College upstate New York as the main act in a big big hall and we were the opening act because we I think William Morris or some agent that was booking us put us in there as opening act for traffic and it was snowing like a mo. Wow. wow. And we had to drive from Oak Ridge, New Jersey, up to upstate New York in the snow. And it was so snowy that traffic was way late from New York coming up. So we had to do an extra long opening act set. And it was like, they wanted to see traffic, not the ox pedals kind of thing. But we managed to hang in there and do like somewhat of a decent opening act. And the traffic showed up and did their thing like you know, John Barleycorn and all that, those songs. Right. And uh, it was a pretty cool concert. And then afterwards, our dressing room was the inside of the gymnasium where there was a beautiful swimming pool with a 40-foot glass viewing uh, window of the outside. And it was snowing like a mother outside of the window. We were in a swimming, warm swimming pool in the gym. And there's this whole, like, snow going on outside. And traffic in the hospitals decided to all go skinny dipping. And we are like, backflipping off the boards and doing all these, like... All right, that's enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> no... Some things you can't unthink. Well, don't look at it. I'm no, just saying. No, don't, but Stevie Winwood did not participate. I must say. Oh, good, because I, 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 that's too much to handle. But all those other blokes were like, "Hey, watch this man! I got a double flip. I learned when I was in swimming class." It was like going on. It's like, what the hell? You know, the ox pedals. It's such an unusual name. That's a whole weird story. Curious name, Ox Pedal. I can tell you how it happened. How did it happen? I was given this friend of mine, great musician, Paul Decker, a great, unbelievable singer, writer, guy, friend of mine, giving him a ride home from a gig early in the morning, and he's getting his guitar out of the trunk of my car, and I'm in the car waiting for him to get the trunk. And he's laughing. I said, what are you laughing about? He says, Ox Pedals. I said, so? What? You mean Ox Pedals? He said, I said, what is that? He said, O-X-P-E-T-A-L-S. Just came to me. I think it's funny. 
Oh, you're right. Okay. You know, Benjamin, you've based a lot of your life on what friends have said to you randomly. But anyway, he said that. that, so I forgot about it. So, okay, big deal, hospital. Months later, when I decided to put together a group doing my original music, I was looking for a name. Like, we, ah, let's call it the, and then the, you know, like the Joyce, Dr. Joyce Brothers. No, that's not good. Uh, uh, how about, uh, you know, like uh, Elvis and the Beatles. No, that's not it. Did you actually consider naming your group Dr. Joyce Brothers? And Elvis and the Beatles, but I, I, I figured it would just... Elvis and the Beatles. Yeah, That'd be a great tonight. name for a group. That's what I'm saying. That's great You name. know you're going to get somebody in there. Right. Some free wings. Yeah, free, free wings. wings. Free wings. Elvis and the Beatles yeah. and the Dr. George. A beer and chicken. Beer and chicken. There was a, a band Phil called Donahue Beer and Phil and the Midgets. All right. So, well, that, that that's not going to pack them in. Uh, <laughs> Phil Donahue and the Midgets? I don't think you can even say that anymore. <laughs> Phil Donahue. But anyway, okay, so... Yeah. Anyway, so anyway. I'm pondering names, and I said, what about that word Paul came up with? Ox pedals, the ox pedals. I like it. It's like ox, like rough and mean and animal-like and petals and flowers. So, Benjamin. Imagine an ox having petals instead of fur. I mean, come on. You left the ox petals. You just well, kind you of walked uh, away you from want all me to this. Expound, and then you interrupt me. The last thing you expounded on, by the way, I believe was uh, well, no, I, I won't say. Back to the timeline. We do have a timeline here. Okay, I'm we, sorry. we can't do three oh, in a row. Oh. We can do three Good. in a row, but nobody's going to listen to that third one. Uh, that's the problem. That's a, okay. Okay. So the ox petals. You left them. You you walked away. You said, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's it. I'm done. I kind of did that. Yeah. How come? Uh, I got fed up. Basically, <laughs> with a lot of things, just stuff. Early on, when the Oxpedal started, it was based around music that I had written, and we got a record deal and a management contract and a lot of stuff based on the songs that I had written. And then once we got a record deal and a producer who was like ex-member of the Love and Spoonful, Stephen Boone played bass, and he was looking for a group to produce. Blah blah blah. We got him as a producer, and once he took charge, it was a uh, like I lost control of like it being like a group doing my material and they said oh let's do some of the guys let's do a couple of Steve's and then what about Bobby Stones and then we'll all and it became that and I went wait a minute this is I didn't sign up for this and I kind of sort of got us the contract based on my music nothing to be too egotistical about but true and it was a lot of stuff going on that I was just like getting over and I kind of like bailed were you resentful about it? No, just bailed. Just said, I'm done, I, I can't do it. But they, they tried to keep the ox pedals together for a while after that, and it didn't you know, kind of happen. But Benjamin, how did we meet? We have a mutual friend named Tom Scarano, who was your original piano and theory teacher, jazz-oriented guy, who you ended up charming and becoming friends with. Yes, Tom's and he a said, good "You got to meet this guy, Rick." Then I know he's a he's a wacky, and on and on he was going about Rick. I said, "I got to meet this guy." And then he and then turns out Rick's a wacky musician, and you did some album about goose feathers oh, back in the Otis day. Otis and Melvin's first album, oh. Chasing Geese. Otis. Melvin, you got to check them out, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Benjamin. It's going to be on Broadway. Uh, no, 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 it will be. Well, maybe someday, but uh, not for. Just a long remember time. that. I'm telling you right up front. Thank you. Right now. Well, Benjamin, you were on Otis the first and Melvin album. on Broadway. Put that in your notebook. Otis and Melvin is going to be on the Rick Z show in about two or three weeks, I think. Otis and Melvin is a sleeper. Really looking forward to that. Well, our first album, Chasing Geese, you were on. You played stand-up bass on a song called Happy Hitman. And I remember talking to you sometime later about it, years later, and you said, I I, I had no idea what it was. I didn't really... 
I didn't ever get a copy of it, and all I remember is just some kind of weird, wacky stuff. And then I think years later, you you, you grew to understand what we were really trying to do. Uh, you know, when the new album was being worked on fairly recently, you came and played piano and stand-up bass again on a tune, and I think I had a better understanding of what the whole Otis and Melvin milieu is about. Yeah, the wackiness that I kind of overlooked, like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. there's... I'm telling you, folks, Otis and Melvin, you gotta give them a listen. They're wacky, they're funny, they're carnival-like, they're cartoon-like, they're rock and roll, they're, they make your ass move. They got all that kind of stuff going on, but I'm telling you, Cindy Lauper ain't got nothing on Otis and Melvin. <laughs> well, you're very kind, sir, but let's, ki- let's keep this episode of the Rick Z Show about Benjamin Herndon, and with that, let's play a tune. I, I'm missing playing, so let's play. Okay, what do you want to play? Ah, how about, uh, what are we going to play? This is called Right Here Today. One, two, three...
yesterday's sorrow Floating away I'm riding on flood waters I'm looking for my home Used to be right over there But now it's gone Change is automatic It's all moving on Things from the attic end up on the lawn Then they're gone from like when when my house that I was born in in Virginia and raised in after my parents died we ended up selling it and then they ended up bringing a, a wrecking ball and tearing it down to the ground but when my brother was finally getting all the remnants of the shit that was in the house out of the attic and putting it on the lawn and either show, taking it to the trash can or, or whatever at one point when I was writing that song there was a lot of floods going on and people losing their homes and shit and I, so I just put all this stuff together about like transition and wrote the verse that goes riding on flood waters looking for my home. Used to be right over there, but now it's gone. Change is automatic. It's all moving on. Things from the attic end up on the lawn, then they're gone. So Well, it's a great song. It's one of my favorites. All of your songs paint a certain picture that I can visualize and that's a sign of a good writer. So looking forward to the next time we play, which will be in probably five minutes. So See? I can't wait. <laughs> you met Miles Davis one time, didn't you? That's interesting. In a weird to me. kind of way, yeah. It was very weird. Uh, back in days that I, yeah, I did. <laughs> Tell me about that. I want to hear about uh, that. It's pretty. It's pretty great. I don't want to get sued. Well, give me Cicely Tyson's estate. Don't sue me. Oh no, boy, it's a long story, but it's definitely Just true. Give us the five cent tour. You're the only person that's ever given me the opportunity to tell this to the world. I I was in a band in Connecticut called Alligator, and the drummer, I'm not going to name him, his name was Robert, but he was also a killer auto mechanic of high-end Ferraris, Mercedes, the guy was Mr. Mechanical, genius, bass playing, pot smoking, coke dealing, weirdo in my band. Let me finish. Real man of the world. (laughs) He was a real man of the world, and he was doing this thing. And I was in the band with him, and it just so happens we lived in, like, stylish Westport, Connecticut, near Greenwich, in in a really hoity-toity area of Connecticut slash New York. He was friends with Larry Coriel, the jazz guitar player, and his wife, Julie. Turns out he also knew Miles Davis, because Miles, through Larry Coriel and Julie, turned Miles onto my friend as a mechanic for his Ferrari that was he was having problems with. So Miles had given my friend his Ferrari to work on. Then one day Bob says, let's go over to Julie's. I want to go over there. And I gotta go. so I went over to Coriel's house with him. 
And lo and behold, sitting on the friggin' couch in a bathrobe is Miles Davis, like boxer getting ready to go on to the fight. Turns out he had had a gallbladder operation or something, and he was staying at the Coriolis just to recuperate and get out of the city and get away from weirdos and stuff. And he's sitting there recuperating. And we, I walk in the door with this guy, Bob, question mark, for safety reasons. And he and he walks in. We walk in, and there's Miles Davis. And Miles looks at my friend Bob. And says, "You got my damn Ferrari. I know you done fixed that thing like two weeks ago. You must have been riding it all over Greenwich and stuff. I know it. And 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 it's true. My friend had fixed his Ferrari and was sporting around in it and uh, hadn't given it back. To, so Miles got all uppity. But at the same time, while Miles was ranting, my friend, the coke dealer slash musician, whips out some like drugs and throws it on Miles' lap like cocaine in a bag while he's ranting. And Miles immediately becomes oh, uh, a little bit cooler. And next thing I know and we know, we're sitting on the couch <laughs> with Miles Davis snorting cocaine oh. off of his ID bracelet that he had on his wrist. Huh. Like a silver eye. We're like sitting there snorting like, what the hell? I'm snorting cocaine with Miles Davis on the couch. What's going on? And then, to make the story even weirder. And longer. It's an unbelievable story. Just so happens, for some strange reason, on the refrigerator in the Coriolis house was a plastic Boy Scout bugle. Like no valves, bugle, taps only kind of thing. Laying there. And my friend, Cocky Lamort, the old kind of guy that he was kind of pushy anyway he goes he takes the trumpet this show is never going to air you realize that <laughs> well Don't bleep you. the bad parts all right okay so he takes the trumpet and throws it down on the couch next to miles and said play for us mofo and, and miles <laughs> says got all snappity but then we just let it slip and all of a sudden miles picks up this boy scout bugle and starts going Playing. And then he goes into like master, like teacher mode and goes, let me show you how much you can get out of one decaying note. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm getting master class in musical freaking like, uh, uh, all of a sudden he's like playing like, look at this, this is, I can take one note and you can get, if you put your soul in, in on and on. And I, you know, at the, I wasn't really like a Miles Davis, oh, Miles Davis kind of guy. But you were after that. I would have <laughs> passed out had I been that guy. I was just, oh, Miles Davis, he's cool, he's a jazz guy. But there are I, people I know who that would have happened to, they would have freaking like lost it. And he did this thing and he was quite beautiful and calm and he showed us a lot of really cool stuff about just like taking two or three notes and making them mean something and not just like riffing out. After the coke uh, ran out, we went home. How many stories <laughs> have I heard that end like that? <laughs> um, I, I don't know where to go from there, Benjamin. Well, uh, how about another beer? I don't know what to leave in, what to edit out. Well, this is going to be. This is going to be a fun. Rusty and I will decide <laughs> what fun. should stay, what will not stay. You're not telling me that. I, would, I, I, I Benjamin, know. Uh, Benjamin, Morale get back here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I've had to, but when I was hanging around at Larry Coriel's house, he was a little kid who didn't uh, give a shit about music. All right, all right Benjamin, uh, you're addressing somebody else on my show now. <laughs> oh, I realize that. I'm sorry. Turn and face me. Oh. I have been corralling this man ever since I met him. Oh, I didn't even know we were still on the air. Yeah, I was just yeah. bantering with your friend. That's okay. Moving Kiss on. Me. No. BHB. Let's talk about that for a second. Benjamin Is that Herndon. A blood band. Type? It's the, <laughs> no. It's the Benjamin Herndon band. Oh. 
I am one of the members. I knew you would be. I, I know our listeners are like, you've got to be kidding me. So let's talk about the Benjamin Herndon Band. What's your vision for this band, Benjamin? Just to play music and have somebody give a shit. You know, at the same time. I've been in the musical closet for many years, and I have all these songs stuffed. If I open the closet, there's cellos and djembes and accordions falling out. I am and so uncomfortable right now. You look uncomfortable. Switching gears entirely, you have one of my favorite instruments of all time. You have this beautiful mandolin. It came from a very special musician who has since passed that is near and dear to my heart named Mindy Jostin. Tell me a little bit about that. That was an accident. I didn't even know Mindy Jostin that well, but I knew she was a happening session person and a violinist, and she did a lot of work with a lot of well-known people. And I was in a music store in Hudson, New York, several years ago, and this vi- I mean, mandolin just caught my attention, and it was a reasonable price, and I bought it. And it wasn't until like a month or two later that somebody said, uh, you know, that was Mindy Johnston's, one of her collections of, her, she, you know, she... She got cancer and sick, and her her estate and her family sold a lot of her stuff. I don't know that this was her main homeboy, a mandolin or nothing, but it it was a beautiful Washburn sound. It is a beautiful, lovely thing. But uh, I have it, and it it sounds great, but I didn't know it was hers when I bought it. I just bought it because I liked it, and later the guy at the music store said, yeah, we bought quite a, a number of things from the estate of Wendy, and uh, Mindy. that's one of them. Mindy, Mindy Jostin. Mindy, yeah. Mindy Jostin. Mindy was with John Mellencamp and on and on. Right? Uh, Billy Joel, Donald Fagan. Wow. She was one of the original Hooters in the 80s. Played with, oh my gosh, so many different people. Uh, a staple of the Hudson Valley. I played a couple of shows with her in the 90s. Cool. She played percussion and mandolin and yeah, guitar and violin. I mean, she could play anything. Tremendously talented. Oh, Everybody respected Mindy. Died of a brain tumor. It's just wow. plenty of music left to give, so it was a, a terrible shame. She'd be giving it right now, I'm, I'm sure. I'm glad you have that mandolin still. Oh, yeah, I love it. It's, yeah, it's great. So BHB, haven't really gotten off the ground yet and played tons of gigs or anything, but we've been kind of contemplating recording some stuff, but, right, and making your album, which I think is going to be a, an enormous artistic and hopefully commercial success because there's tons of great songs on it. And we've got at least good reception for what we have done, limited though it might be. Like I say, I'm musically cloistered for a lot of, as far as my own original being out. I've been playing a lot and doing stuff over the years, but I've just... I got a backlog of stuff that I just want to spew before my bus comes. Well, let's hear something. Is my bus coming? Still I hear a show. rumble, but it might be a little thunder we had earlier in the show. Benjamin, let's play something. A delightful from styling, that, perhaps. From that, a delightful styling from you, and if you don't mind, I'll join you on guitar, and we'll hear something from this uh, extensive catalog of songs that you have. You know what song I'd love to play? Uh, one of my all-time favorite Benjamin Herndon songs called When a Star Falls. Can we do that one? One, two, three, and...
Starfalls, a song that we played many times together. Again, one of my favorites. Looking forward to the next time we get to play together, Benjamin. We do it quite often, but it never seems to be enough. We always have a good oh. time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for doing this double header. We, oh, two, we did two say, weeks in a row. This was really pretending nice. Pretending it was next week. I love that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, podcast magic. It's, see how the sausage is made. See how the sausage is made. Get you, with me and pretend it's next week. You're getting an insider's <laughs> look at the podcast. Not planned. Totally impromptu. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen here on the Rick C. Show. So if you tune in next week, well... God help you. Oh That's all God. I can say. And tell your friends how weird this is. <laughs> the Rick the Rick Z show is produced and engineered every single week by Rusty Johnson. Thank Lovely, you, Rusty, Rusty, for Rusty doing Johnson. Johnson. Whose birthday is tomorrow, by the way. Happy Thank birthday, you. Rusty. And we're out of here.